0: Welcome to 10 Bestest.
1: Where we sift through the noise so you don't have to.
0: Each week we share our 10 favorite things of the moment.
1: Anything goes.
0: Welcome everyone to another episode of 10 Bestest. I'm Karen McFarlane-Holman.
1: I'm Brian Hart.
0: And we have the best show ever. Best. Best. Best.
1: Show. Of all time.
0: Guaranteed.
1: We both came up with all five cool sheets today. (laughs) Today, About an hour ago.
0: (laughs) Okay, it wasn't an hour ago. Oh, okay, that's true. But we we did create, uh, both of us, I think, created all of our uh, cool sheets today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That might be a first. So, guaranteed, best show ever. Yeah. Let's see
0: how we do. (laughs) But I feel good. I do too, actually. Yeah. 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 No problem. My Cool Sheet is an organization and this is called Girls Make Games. They are on a mission to bridge the gender gap in the video game industry. Their first stop on this mission is Summer Camps for Girls. Girls Make Games is a series of not just summer camps though, it's also workshops and game jams designed to inspire the next generation of designers, creators, and engineers. Launched in 2014 by Laila Shabir and Ish Syed, the program has reached over 6,000 girls through workshops and camps and over 20,000 through tutorials, games, and resources. The summer camp is really amazing. There are two levels that cover ages 8 through 18 and they also have positions for women who are 18 and older to be leaders while they've needed to go virtual in the past couple years they'll be running camps in person in july 2022 moving forward yay stories from the camps are really incredible so check this out they have a contest at the end with judges who are big wigs in the gaming industry and the grand prize is that the girls who created the game get it developed and sold through one of these massive gaming companies they have secured a large sponsorship or many large sponsorships actually for this organization. And the founders say that this project has been supported enormously by pretty much anyone they ask. They are also happy to report that while the percentages of girls playing games is 50% and less than 20% of the developers were women, that number has increased over the past seven years and to almost 30%. Examples of the games that have emerged from this project. There are many, I'll just throw a couple out here. One is called What They Don't See, spelled S-E-A, which is where people playing the game explore the underwater seas to collect special algae for an alternative energy project. I love that one. And there's another one called Shredded Secrets, a game about bullying that follows not just the bullied kid, but also the struggling bully as well. So check it out, girls the game. Sorry, girls make games. They don't just do it, they make it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> man all right girls make
0: games yes, That's cool yes that is so cool it is so great um, I love what they're doing
1: yeah and I love how that percentage just quickly went up by 10 percent. it's already. going up and I so bet it's I gonna keep mm-hmm. until it's 50 50 and then they maybe even overtake that would be really amazing would be? yeah and that algae game that is totally I've, I know I haven't been a big gamer in a while um mostly because I fear I would my life would the show would probably end because I am gaming all the time. And this algae one, this is my do it. It might be the end of it. <laughs> it could be, yeah. but it sounds really cool. Yeah. So, well, good yeah. job girls.
0: That's awesome. I know. And the creators, the founders, they just kind of saw, they fell into it and they saw, Hey, this is something that really needs to be done. Yeah. And so they went in and did it. And I love people who do that. They take the initiative and make it happen. Yeah.
1: See the problem and yep. make the solution happen. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so yes, much for sharing you, that. You are welcome. I'm going to be talking about a book and this book is called Armor and it's by John Stakely. So I read, this is kind of, I think I had my best year ever last year. I read 42 books and hardly any of them were that good. It was kind of bummed. So I started this year out strong. I started with Dune after Karen's recommendation. And then I talked to my friend Brad because I was actually surprised. The one thing that surprised me, I loved Dune. It was very, very good. But I was a little surprised it didn't have more action. A lot of the times it would kind of be this, not to be a big spoiler but kind of the build-up to it and then all of a sudden it would like fast forward to almost when it's over um, i was just expecting a little bit more and then my friend brad told me about the book armor and uh, he said that Stakely wrote the book because he liked the book starship troopers so much not doom but a different book starship troopers and it also didn't have that much action at least not as much as he wanted so he decided to create his own Book and this one has a massive amount of action. So if you love sci-fi and you love action, you're gonna love this book. It's it's an older one. It was uh, published in December 4th, 1984. The book is in three parts. So first talks about Felix um, and humanity's a war against an alien race. Who um, the soldiers are like three meters tall. They're insects. They're referred to as ants. They're not really ants. They're aliens. Um, so that's why it kind of, it is related. you know, it's very similar to Starship Troopers, um, which by the way, that movie is supposed to be terrible. I haven't actually seen it, but now I kind of want to watch it. Um, and, and so these humans are armored with this um, kind of giant like mech suit. So they're all um, armored and supercharged and powered. And this person that follows this person, Felix in his journey through these battles. And then it and then the second part of the book is about Jack Crow and this research colony that is threatened by pirates. And then those, uh, at the third part, they kind of those plots kind of intersect. And I don't want to give too much else away because I don't want to go to spoilers. But if you like sci-fi, you like action, if you like Dune, if you like Starship Troopers, you're going to love armor. If you haven't read it yet, definitely check out armor.
0: <laughs> Whoa, you're going to capture a lot of people with this who fall into the, all yeah, those categories uh, you just said. It's great.
1: Yeah, because it's... I mean, after I just read Dune, and Dune, like I said, maybe it didn't have all the action, but it was so good. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. And um, as far as, like, the world building, probably not as strong as Dune. Okay, yeah. But, like, for just straight adrenaline action. Mm. Like it was nonstop, Why? like that book went so quickly. Wow. It was another relative, not big as Dune either, not as many pages. I did listen to the audio, and it's but it's a really nice audio where it's dramatized with different actors oh, and I things like, like that. that, just cool. like Dune was. The one caveat to that is that it's really hard to follow, especially when it's in different parts, is I would get lost mm. because the chapters, it's the one bad thing about audiobooks is it goes from chapter to chapter. Yeah. And you don't even have time to process. It'll be like, you're gonna be okay. And then the person died in their arms. Then the other person, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you don't even get to like, like sit, sit with there. that moment yeah, right. and like, whoa, we just had this giant battle. Somebody I care about died. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna say anything. This, I could be making all this up. This is no spoilers. Uh, and then it's just like already moved on to a different time period. Yeah, even yeah. and I'm just like whoa, 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 wait. Like and I had to rewind. And, Did I catch that right? Did that really happen? And I had to do that a few times. Yeah. But other than that, I love it. And the audiobook was definitely worth it. Right. Um, if that's your thing, or if not, check
0: out the paperback, Kindle, yeah. whatever you want to do. Awesome. Yeah. Kindle, previous cool sheet. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. And if you want to check out any of our cool sheets, you want to get more information about them, you can go to our show notes, which are at 10bestest.com slash girls. That's 10bestest10bestest.com slash girls. I am going to be talking about a documentary project. I'm going to say documentary project and not documentary because it is not done yet. It is called Sal y Cielo, which in Spanish means salt and sky. This documentary is in production, as I said, and it is being directed by Taylor Frisolo Reese, who is a filmmaker, a photojournalist, and she has a master's degree in environmental management. She's an avid explorer of stories and landscapes, natural resource issues, and above all else, the human heart, which you can really tell by this project. With this, she is asking, are our solutions for sustainability really good for the planet? Or are they instead conveniences that are sustainable for us at the expense of vulnerable communities, the environment, and our future? These are really big questions. And watching, so there's about, oh, six minutes or so, so far that's done, so I would call it almost a teaser. It's not quite a trailer, but it's like the beginnings of this documentary. So powerful. So she is really starting to get bring this awareness of what is going on. And this particular project Salisiello started out in the fall of 2018. She was contracted by a PhD student and one of the members of the center for interdisciplinary environmental justice and they asked would you be open to filming these presentations of these indigenous activists from chile and argentina who were talking about how lithium mining in their territories was depleting water resources and destroying the ecosystems and in turn their ways of life she met them and then they invited her to come down to South America to create this documentary, which would then be a campaign surrounding all of these efforts. Whoa, uh, the big thing that I learned from watching this, and I, this was just a few minutes, it had to do with these green solutions, such as proposing decreasing the amount of energy used by burning fossil fuels by by replacing them with more batteries, and by watching this, you see the huge impact that it has on these communities. What it is doing to them—it is heart-wrenching. It is eye-opening. Sal y cielo.
1: Whoa, this is great. You know, I've touched a little bit on that. You know, I've always had this this feeling because um, I try to be as green as possible, mm-hmm. but I'm always like, is these certain things that I believe to be green, actually green. Right. And I kind of went in depth on it, on the electric car, which mm-hmm. turned out to be true, And but it did take time. It didn't take much time, and that's why it was a big thing. Yeah. Um, although there is this battery issue still of yes. these cars. Um, they're rare minerals, if I'm not yep. mistaken. And also, once they do go what are we going to do with all of right. it? And if every car is electric, yeah. I mean, we're talking about exponentially yeah. a massive amount. So yes. even that, which one I feel pretty good about, I have questions about. Mm-hmm. It's just it's never nothing. Nothing is black and white. No, nothing is or not black and all. green or whatever you want call yeah. it. Yeah, you know, there's so much gray area. There's so many other factors, and so I can't wait to watch this. Yes, I will be. You will love it. Super watch it interested. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, yeah, I'll definitely check out the little snippet and then. Yeah. Did, is there any kind of, um, when the, when the, the, full I, don't film might be I don't know,
0: I don't know. Maybe you can I help mean, me. It's really
1: hard to say, yeah. because uh, it depends if they're still shooting, right. um, editing, uh, you know, usually documentaries are hundreds of hours of footage yes. and that can take forever. So it yes. could be a, hopefully it's not too long because we need to know about
0: this. Well, and okay. it's hard to say if she started shooting it and then because of COVID had to leave and maybe she'll yeah, pick sure. it back up. Um, yeah. that's a possibility, um, but fortunately there's still enough. And I, I, swear those six, eight minutes, whatever it is, is powerful enough that yeah. it could be turned into something bigger.
1: Wow. I so, can't wait. I'll yeah. check it out for sure. Yes. I really want to see it. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about a podcast and this podcast is called lifespan with Dr. David Sinclair. Now, Uh, lifespan with Dr. David Sinclair is a new podcast from the world renowned aging research, Dr. David Sinclair. <laughs> Big surprise there, it's in the name. Um, now, why do I keep talking about health span? Because that's what lifespan, even though it's called lifespan, it's, a, it's really about healthspan, um, you know. And again, just in case you haven't heard before, that is uh, living longer, but living longer healthier. So you're still being able to do things for a longer period of time. And I talked about David Sinclair's book, Lifespan. So he has a book in episode 197. Um, He's a professor of genetics and co-director of Harvard Medical Schools uh, for the Paul F. Glenn Center of Biology of Aging Research. Uh, So he's one of the leaders in longevity and health span. So I feel really confident. Whatever he talks about, I usually feel like it's good well-researched information and he's not doing it just try, trying to sell something and that's really rare and important and i hope i'm right here and uh, i also feel confident because a lot of the other people in the health world that i respect also say that he's legit basically that he passed the test uh so this isn't a, a dr oz or somebody else like that or you're like uh, yeah th- who knows if any of this is true i just feel really confident about it now this podcast expands on the book so the book is just two years old but in the health span and health field that can that's almost ancient at this time um so he has the podcast he also has the uh, the podcast on youtube so you can just see him talking with uh, the uh, person that also helped him write the book um, but they're nothing fancy but if you rather if you like video instead that's a good way to go about it um there's going to be eight episodes in the season the first season and first so far it's a science behind why we age uh what to eat and when to eat for longevity exercise heat cold and other stress stressors for longevity uh mnn and r fall metformin other molecules for longevity. Uh, so many more, uh, seven are out right now. By the time this podcast is out, probably all eight episodes will be out, but definitely check out the David Sinclair podcast.
0: Ooh, I'm really interested in learning more about the science of aging and and all the other stuff. Yeah. He
1: does a really good job. This is also hard to do Mm. of really talking about pretty you know, scientific terms Mm -hmm. and and studies and, but he does it in a pretty good way where most people I think can, can get it. Awesome. Um, now I have read a lot of books, his book included, Mm -hmm. so I might be a little bit more, um, you know, up to speed than some people. So it might seem really easy for me because all these words are finally starting to sound Mm -hmm. familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think that um, by listening to this podcast, it'll be a good, I think it'll work for most people. He really breaks it down into simple terms and what you can do in actionable steps. Like this is the cause, this is the effect, and this is what you can do awesome. to reverse aging. You know, I mean, he has bold, bold ideas on aging mm. for sure. So, uh, it's just worth the listen. Yeah, yeah. And I
0: love it. It's eight episodes. I can do that. Yeah.
1: Only eight episodes. They are about an hour each. Ooh. So, you know, it's long <laughs> no, and a lot of information yeah, and yeah. I've I've listened to now probably half of them and mm-hmm. even the ones I've listened to I want to listen to again because cool. they are pretty deep I mean an hour yeah. of scientific information even that I can follow it's like oh I need it I want it now I listen to it all the way through now I want to like take notes yeah. and take actionable steps and listen to it again so yeah it's not super super quick but it's good
0: awesome it's really good thank you so much you're welcome so if you want more information about that or anything else we're talking about on this episode, you can go to 10 girls. 10 bestis.com girls. My cool sheet is going to be about how to choose a telescope. This is such an exciting time to be an amateur astronomer. Never before have novice stargazers been presented with such a vast array of telescopes at our fingertips and all these accessories to pursue this hobby, or it doesn't even have to be a full-fledged hobby. It can just be every once in a while going out and just gazing at the wonders of the universe. But this is the thing, is that because there are so many telescopes out there, it also brings upon the burden of choice all these telescopes, they're different ones and it's just—it's hard to know what to buy. So this article that I'm sharing is a wonderful guide because it helps you narrow your options. It first explores the basic features that are common to all telescopes, which is really great for a starting point. Then it delves into some of the specific designs of the most typical telescopes that are out there. And then comes the gold. They talk about the trade-offs of the different designs because every instrument has its advantages and its disadvantages and they go through those with you. Some of the questions that they have you ask yourself first though include, what do you most wanna look at? How dark is your sky where you live? How experienced of an observer are you? How much are you prepared to spend? (laughs) That's an important one. Where are you gonna store your telescope and how much weight are you willing to carry? All of these are crucial, I have found personally, uh, as terms of questions that you wanna ask yourself to get a telescope that you will actually use. Then, they go into the basics of telescopes so you can understand the design features. And these sections are on aperture, magnification, focal length, and eyepieces. And then they go over all the different types of telescopes in terms of how they're constructed, how to choose which type it is, depending on your interest, your budget, all of that. And it is really, really helpful, even if you don't know much about telescopes, or even if you do know a bit. So check out this article, How to Choose a Telescope.
1: Oh, This is so cool. Yeah. And it's funny because as you were talking about this in the beginning, I started formulating questions that I was going to ask you after this, after you were done, and you were like, every single one I yes. had was in this article. Yes. So it sounds like I just need to go read the article. You do. <laughs> you really do. Although I could ask you and then I wouldn't have to, but no, um, I do want to do, I was the only thing that I really want to know, because you do know more about telescopes in general, like, could I see them? You know, my, what my balcony looks like, but I live downtown. Mm. Like how possible is that? I know that, um, what is it? Light noise is a big factor. It is. You know, it's always better to be out away from city lights, yeah, um, you know, is yeah. it, is it worth having for me on my balcony? Because since I don't have a, music car and I can't really tote one to a field without right. you know, trying to talk you into it or right. another friend, yeah. which I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard to talk you into gazing sometime out in the wilderness. But. Yeah. You know
0: what? <laughs> um, we, I could bring mine over and we could see. Oh, that's it's, a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the, really the best way to do it. Um, it's not just so so you have some context. I mean, there's, there are lights, there are a lot yeah. of lights that are out there and you you only face one way. Right. Um, so, and cause I don't think you can see the moon, right?
1: I can't when it, kind of when it first rises okay. most, most of the time of the year. You okay. Know, of course cause the moon
0: is really cool to look at. Yeah. It's, there are all sorts of things you can see at different phases of it and stuff. Yeah. So there man on the moon. Absolutely. That moon? Yes, that's right. Um, absolutely that. And the other ones, yeah, we'd have to try.
1: Okay. Well,
0: All right, I'm going to
1: check out the article and we'll, yeah, we'll give it a shot. Okay. sometime. Yeah. This will be fun. Cool. I'm going to be talking about uh, two exercise hacks. You're getting a for this time, and, but they're kind of related. So uh, these two exercise hacks are called greasing the groove and make it easy. Uh, so greasing the groove, uh, this idea has been around for a long time. I think I first heard about it from Ben Greenfield, who I thought was a former of cool sheet. Maybe that's still in debate. I couldn't find it at this moment, uh, today, but, uh, I also was reading this article from the Atlantic and it talked about lift weight, not too much most of the days which is similar I love it because it's similar to Michael Pollan's words eat food not too much mostly plants so it's very easy to remember um, but greasing the groove was introduced by um, Pavel he's very famous I can never say his uh, last name let's just look it up or I'll put it on the graphics on YouTube he's a f- very famous former Soviet Union trainer um, he's wrote tons of books he's also credited as a person that brought the kettlebell to America. So if a lot of people know what kettlebells are now, that's thanks to Pavel. Um, And this isn't a direct interpretation from his formal training system, but more of an adaptation. And it's all about doing uh, some kind of movement exercise or weights throughout the entire day. Not just going to the gym and doing it for 30 minutes or however long your gym session is per day, but doing something a little bit every day. Now, this is super important if you have a sedentary job. So if you have a desk job, if you're working from home right now, uh, you know, a lot of people are doing standing desks. Uh, The desk behind me, it raises up. So I do a lot of that. But if you stand or sit even if you stand and you never move you're still doing a lot of those really things that are really bad for you so they talk about taking shorter breaks you could work in the pomodoro technique with this and then work for 20 minutes and then go do some jumping jacks you know go on a rebounder a little mini, mini trampoline which is a former cool sheet uh just do a couple push-ups you know if you have a kettlebell kettlebell do a couple presses or a couple swings, you know, but it's doing this accumulation over time throughout the day instead of just doing it all at once because that's not really, that's just training your body to be super still and your joints get tight and then doing one exercise, one little chunk, and then you're sedentary again. It's not as good. It's actually better to just keep your stuff moving. So, grease the groove and making it easy is having things all around you. So, do the, both of those things. <laughs>
0: I love it oh this is such a good reminder yeah uh i can't do weights yet i'm still recovering from an injury but um when i'm back at it i'm totally gonna do yeah
1: and it doesn't have to be super heavy you Mm, know these don't have to be like 100 pounds that you're pressing in fact more of pavel's thing was don't do heavy weights to failure Mm. it was like do shorter reps and more of them So his was more about still that concentrated amount of time. And now it's kind of coming out more and more. It's like, do even less, but just do it more often. That's um, cool. It just keeps your body. It keeps burning calories throughout the day. Like I said, your joints won't get stiff. And yeah. and so I do, you can, there are more things off screen, but there's a kettlebell right there. Literally. Mm-hmm. Um, I have other little weights around. I have my little rebounder out here when the set's not set up. I ha I, and then there's other things that making it easy. So I had one of those, um, pieces of equipment that took my bicycle and you had to connect it, but I had to, you know, disconnect a screw and then plug it in and then it would become a stationary bike. Oh yeah. But that was hard enough that I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Even though it yeah. seems really easy, but mm. that took an extra 10 minutes. It doesn't sound like a lot, but if that's the barrier yeah. between exercising or not, Yep, it's not gonna happen. So it never happened for me. Mine I is still in the box. It. Yeah. See <laughs> so what I ended up doing is getting a treadmill and I thought it was kind of ridiculous forever but I stick that baby under my standing desk and I'll do a little walk. Wait, is it here? No, I have to move it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So right now it's in the bedroom. And as soon as, okay. we, as soon as we tear down the set, I'll roll it back out. Gotcha. If I'm watching a YouTube video or maybe a TV show, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to spend a half hour, mm. I'm at least going to be walking. It yes. doesn't have to be running, but I can walk yeah. on, the, on the treadmill and I'm burning some calories. Yeah. And it's just, it has made all the difference in the world to awesome. keep my habit
0: going. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome.
0: And our links to all the show notes, everything that we're talking about in this episode, you can find them at 10 slash girls. My Cool Sheet is an article that is talking about a new source of fuel. This article starts out by talking about a hot springs near the coast of western Japan where people go to rejuvenate. And like most hot springs, the water is heated by a naturally occurring geothermal vent, but in order for it to be at the desired temperature for the visitors, the water is heated further up near the surface. And this is where the story becomes quite interesting. Unbeknownst to most bathers, at least before this article came out, the water heater runs on a fuel with an unusual origin. The pellets are recycled from soiled adult diapers. While this might sound strange, here's the thing. Most fuels are carbon-based and using excrement from animals as a fuel is not new. It's been done for centuries. And in rapidly aging Japan, older people with incontinence issues use more diapers than children now. So there are ever-increasing mountains of this type of waste and so the town of Al-Hoki has become a pioneer in trying to reduce this kind of waste. By recycling the adult diapers, which represent about one-tenth of the city's waste, the city has found a use for garbage that would otherwise be dumped into landfills or incinerators. The idea came up around 2020 when Japan's Environment Ministry recognized that this this was a growing problem, and they formed a working group to discuss alternatives to diaper burning, and they came up with this idea. A few other municipalities are trying it out, and turning diapers into fuel pellets while some others are trying to turn them into other materials, such as uh, the pellets that can be mixed with cement for construction or road paving. So there's a lot of possibilities here that are very much win-win. You can learn more about this clever alternative fuel by reading the article. Now I'll give the full name of it, A New Source of Fuel in an Aging Japan, Adult Incontinence. Whoa! It
1: was really hard for me not to crack up. I know. During this one, because you know, poop humor, anything with poop.
0: Right. I'm ready to giggle. (laughs) But it's it's sort it's sort of like you giggle and then you're like yeah Oh, wait this makes sense yeah It totally well
1: hey you're talking to a guy that has poop elephant poop paper you know <laughs> right. they have recycled from elephant poop so why would this yep. be any weirder than that exactly, exactly. <laughs> although every time I use it I laugh <laughs> you're like he I'm writing on poop. <laughs> But wow, this is wild. This is kind of that life is true. Life is stranger than fiction. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought? And I love how it, how will this tie into your, that documentary about green solutions? Oh, right. Like, this seems like a pretty legit one. Yep,
0: exactly. They're taking a
1: problem in Mm -hmm. that community and changing it to a fuel source. Yeah. Seems like. Great idea. Yeah. Wild. Something uh, I would not have thought of. Oh, I know. know.
0: (laughs) But I was shocked by those two statistics. One is that there's more adult diapers now than children's diapers that are piling up in landfills. Thanks, boomers. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And then the other was that for that city, 10% of the waste was from the adult that is so
1: much it is
0: shocking insane wow yeah
1: but like what they're doing with it now i know wild but yeah just think about (laughs) being in it and of course it's clean and everything but yeah just knowing you're in a
0: bath with oh i know that is and and it's not even right it's not (laughs) even like that yeah. poop is in the water, but it's just <laughs> the whole know. idea of how it's using to heat the water and all that. Anyway,
1: <laughs> it's like whoever gets the uh, little bone in the fish is gets the lucky winner. If you get the okay.
0: bath with the poo, <laughs> Oh, it's just, no, it's good luck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, thank you for sharing. Yes. That. You're
0: welcome. I, I love that idea. Know anything about that. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna be talking about a video series. This video series is called The Pink Cast by Daniel Pink. Now, I first heard about Dan Pink when I watched his TED Talk, The Puzzle of Motivation, and then I read his book, Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us. So I've been a fan of Dan Pink for quite a while, but he has a whole bunch of other books. He has A Whole New Mind, Why the Right Brainers Will Rule the Future, uh, The Adventures of Johnny Bunko, The Last Career Guide You'll Ever Need, which is actually in comic book style, so I love when they do that, and I'm pretty sure... I could be mistaken in getting it mixed up, but I think that was highly recommended by Tim Ferriss, so I've been wanting to uh, check that one out. Then of course, Drive, uh, which I already talked about. This is an order of his publication. To sell is human, the surprising truth about moving others. So kind of a follow-up to Drive, which I've actually purchased for quite a long time now, but I haven't read that one yet, so I need to get to that one. Uh, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing, and then his newest book, which I believe came out in 2020 or so, The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. So, he knows a lot, he's written a lot of books, and I really dig everything that I've uh, read of his so far. Now the P, uh, the pink cast is a very succinct breakdown of his own books and other people's books, blogs and ideas in a series of very short videos. So I talked about the other one that was an hour. These are only one and a half to three minutes long. In fact, I, don't, I didn't think I really actually saw one that was more than three minutes. They were all like two to the two and a half. So if you wanna dive in and do some further reading, you can definitely do this, but this is a good way to get started on some of these ideas. And like I said, it isn't just his own, but it's, other ideas from other books and people that he has found very useful and then he kind of summarizes it really quickly you could also do it as a kind of a memory hack when i talked about the forgetting curve you could refresh so if you have read his books or you have read that article because some of them were familiar to me but it would be a good way to refresh your memory and listen to his synopsis because it's always good to hear it from another person's point of view uh, I can't even go into the, uh, examples because I'm right out of time, but definitely check out pink Cass.
0: I will love this.
1: Yes. I will. cannot for sure. wait for sure.
0: I, when I'm driving home, I'm going to tune in. That's yeah. so awesome.
1: Yeah. And it is a video series. So even though it's called pink cast, oh, it's oh, not oh, a
0: podcast, oh, oh. Okay.
1: which did confuse me for a really, for a while because, and I kept looking, I'm like, how can this not be a podcast? And yeah. it's not on YouTube as far as I could tell either. It's kind of his own, like he's pretty smart. Okay. So he's got his own website mm, and he is all there. self-contained. Yeah. But uh, but still, you know, it is super easy to digest. Once you check it out, you'll be able to find that on a link in the yeah. show notes and go to PinkCast and yeah, minute and a half to two and a half minutes for a solid it. gold. And it has every, you know, of course the titles will tell you. So, oh, I want to learn about how to be more productive. What's the rubber ducky method?
0: What's mm-hmm. this, you know?
1: Uh, yeah, so it's super good info.
0: Excellent, thank you. You're very welcome. So to check out all of our show notes, you can go to 10 girls. My cool sheet is a video, and this was spurred by Brian asking me to talk about this because I was like, I need one more cool sheet to talk about, and here's the question. Why does salt make food taste better? Okay, so you know that Mary Poppins saying, or from that song, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. But guess what? A pinch of salt actually does the work better than sugar. How is that? And why does salt make food taste better? There's a video, and that's what I'm going to be linking to. It's by my fellow chemist, my buddy Hank Green. He explains this, and I'm going to do it too, because I've done some experiments with this exact thing. Salt, which is usually sodium in the form of sodium chloride, is an essential nutrient and our body uses it for an uncountable number of biochemical processes. But our body can't make sodium by itself. So we have to get at least some of it from our diet. So it makes sense that we naturally crave it. Humans taste salt because we have pores that allow sodium to pass through into the taste receptor cells in the taste buds in our tongues, which sends a signal to our brain saying it's salty. And that all makes sense. But what is more surprising is that salt also makes things sweeter. Our intestines are full of these sugar sensors and our mouth has some of them too. And this is because there is a sugar sensor in our bodies that pushes sugar into the sweet taste cell when it senses the presence of sodium in our blood. Wow, this is mind blowing to me. Salt triggers the cell to register sweetness. Who would have known? Another interesting and unexpected thing that salt does is that it suppresses bitterness. And get this, it does it better than sweetness does. Researchers have not completely figured out the mechanism for it, but studies suggest that it involves both the tongue and the brain. Most of the bitterness blocking happens in the taste buds and what the researchers think sodium does here is that it interferes with the binding between the bitter compounds and the taste cell receptors. You can do an experiment with this with gin and tonic, add a pinch of salt to it and taste one with the salt and without, and you will know exactly what I'm talking about. I've done that experiment with my cocktail chemistry folks. Why salt makes food taste better.
1: See, this is why I wanted you to explain it instead of me trying to figure it out. Because I'd be like, ah, you know, just it's 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 a mineral and it's uh, people putting on stuff, and so it's good. The end. And that's not very interesting at all. And I knew that you would come up with some winners. This oh is, yeah, this is so cool. Oh
0: yeah, and there, there's so much more. But especially as soon as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, I've done this experiment. That's and perfect. I yeah, because this one it.
1: literally was. Like an hour ago i think maybe a little oh, bit yeah. longer since we now, i put this started one together. recording but
0: <laughs> i don't know if you saw um if you could see as i was typing it directly in yeah like I, but yeah. yeah it was done in like 10 minutes that's so no cool
1: problem. yeah and it's super interesting and thorough i mean uh, it pays to be a chemist for that one that's why i was like oh this would i i didn't know you'd be able to do it that fast but it's uh, that's amazing um, and I'm so, is another thing where you started talking about it and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to bring up uh bitterness and boom, you hit that one as well. Because yes, there is a trick, you know, if your coffee's too bitter to add a little bit of salt mm-hmm. to it, which is funny because, um, Jane, I think it's James or J- Jeff or Jim, Hoffman who's a very coffee aficionado Um, Ah. someone when we did coffee trials on that Uh He was one of the people with chef steps that was Mm. kind of their expert Uh, but he's like he because he talks about a lot of these things and hacks and things about coffee and he's like yeah, that works, but also you're not making good coffee. So stop making mm-hmm. bad coffee and mm-hmm. using bad coffee and things like that. <laughs> Work on temperature and, grind size and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> but he does, he does say it works. And mm-hmm. I just did my own self-experiment with this with grapefruit. So I was like, Oh, cool. I just wasn't in the mood. Usually most of the time I love the taste of that bitterness mm-hmm. and sourness of grapefruit, but I was like, ah, I don't. And I'm like, I swear that salt made it better than sugar. And I was like, in my mind, it didn't make sense. And I go, I know as a kid that my grandma did this. And so I put a little wow. salt on it and it was amazing. That's so cool. And it makes sense also why, you know, I um, see salt caramel ice cream mm-hmm. so popular yeah. right now, uh, or, or has been for a while now, yeah, but yeah. how it's just blown up and it continues to blow up. And so that kind of explains that yeah. sweetness factor. Yeah. So, uh, so cool. Well, thank
0: you so much. You're welcome. You thank you for the, the, for the idea. Yeah. My pleasure. All right.
1: I'm going to be talking about a podcast or a pocket collection, and this is how to be less judgmental. So, uh, the pocket collection is a series of articles, audio, and videos. And I actually talked about pockets, so that's kind of when you find things on the internet and you save it into this app, it's a Chrome extension, I think it's also an app on uh, iPhones or Androids. And I talked about Pocket in episode one, so I've been a fan forever. But I've also had a bunch of Pocket collections, and last week I talked about um, how we all make snap first impressions about each other, and here's how to slow that down. So that was from this collection. So how to be less judgmental about others, but also how to be less judgmental towards yourself. That is just a just as important, although we usually think about the other one first, and it might even be more important to be less judgmental on yourself. Kind of like that saying goes that you must love yourself before you can love others. You must stop judging yourself before, and then you can start judging others less as well. Don't be so hard on yourself. So I love it because it covers both. Some of the topics include the cognitive bias, um, tricking your brain. So. We both, I think, talked about cognitive bias, different biases and things like that, how to identify them and then how to get better at them. Also another one I liked, negative self-talk, five ways of so- silence, your toxic inner critic. So I have many, problems with my inner critic with imposter syndrome and things like that so i can't wait to read this one um the elements of good judgment how to improve your decision making so it's a real grab bag of a whole bunch of different things why overly kind and moral people can rub you the wrong way this is always something that i thought maybe i was just a weirdo or a hidden jerk but this actually tells you why there's no one you're probably not as open-minded as you think and here's how to practice So a little bit deeper dive, because this one um, talks about things that we talk about so much. Number one, recognize that your biological hardware isn't exactly setting you up for success. Two is be curious. So that's one of our own famous sayings. Stay calm, surround yourself with the right people. And if all else fails, try ayahuasca, which is only a half joke. But since Karen and I have both went on that journey, I thought it was very interesting. There's a bunch of other ones, but definitely check out this pocket collection, How to Be Less Judgmental.
0: (laughs) This sounds amazing. I I could spend hours and hours. Yeah, and I don't
1: know how many, it's like maybe 10 different, like Mm -hmm. I said, some are articles, Mm -hmm. some are videos, some are podcasts.
0: Love it. And
1: every single one of them, I guarantee you, could be a cool sheet if I wanted to. And some of them might be, once I read more of them more in depth, I might bring one back as a cool sheet because they all sounded super interesting. And that's why I love
0: these pocket collections so much. Oh my gosh, totally. So cool. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. And so you can find this pocket collection. You can find everything that we have talked about if you go to 10 slash girls. That is where all of our stuff is kept. And, um, and we've brought ourselves to the end of a show. We did it. <gasps> we did it. <laughs> yeah. And that was really fun. Yeah, it yeah. was. Great show. So. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Please like, share, comment, review our podcast, do all those great things that help support us. We work so hard on this podcast. Even if it's last minute, it's still
1: working hard.
0: (laughs) Yes. And well, it's like the saying, uh, Picasso charged $10,000 for a little chicken scratch on a napkin. And they said that, what are you talking about? That only took 10 seconds. And he said, no, it took 30 years yeah, to lifetime. bring me to the point. Yeah. Lifetime to bring me to the point where I can do this. Yeah. So absolutely. it's just like that.
1: It is like that.
0: <laughs> all right. Thank you everyone. And don't forget to want to learn more about this week's cool sheets.
1: Head on over to 10 Bestus. That's one zero bestest.com for links to all of our cool sheets
0: and sign up for our monthly newsletter with bonus cool sheets and other fun stuff.
1: 10 Bestus will be back with an all-new episode next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern.